to another episode of the Let's Sip podcast, the podcast where we pontificate on all things craft beer. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor, and as I'm recording this, it's the start of a brand new year. It's 2022, uh, January 4th to be precise, and the beer world has given me some kind of amusing news to start off the new year. It's not exactly craft beer related, but it is beer industry related. And yesterday, the Twitter account for one Pabst Beer Company, in particular the Twitter account for Pabst Blue Ribbon, posted some tweets that, um, to say, were... um, uh, questionable would be a gross te- uh, gross understatement. Uh, I actually uh, retweeted a response to one of the, or one of the one of the tweets because I knew they would be at some point be deleted. But uh, that's worth googling or or checking out. Google, uh, I'm not going to talk about what exactly what the tweet said on here because I do try to keep it. Uh, Try to keep it a somewhat clean as far as language goes and uh, con- uh, friendly for everybody, just in case. I don't know. I don't know if people's situations about where they listen or whatever, but I just try to try to keep it a little bit cleaner here. So I have to say that uh, I'm not going to say exactly what the tweet said, but there's plenty of news stories out there that will tell you what the person um, who would be my guess is no longer employed by the Pap Spear Company. Uh, what this person uh, decided to tweet for whatever reason that they decided to do that. Because they not only tweeted it, they kind of doubled down on some of the replies, which was rather interesting. Pabst's response was basically saying that their quote-unquote associate uh, acted in poor judgment. Um, That is uh, quite the understatement as well. But I found it to be rather amusing hilarious not so amusing if this person went and lost their job but uh i would think they kind of should have maybe known better but uh that was an interesting way to kick off 2022 in the world of craziness and all the things that are going on out there um right now i don't want to spend all my time talking about the coronavirus and covid19 but sadly enough it is still very prevalent and uh, perhaps maybe even more so than it's ever been before Uh, yesterday january 3rd they reported over a million cases in a single day here in the united states Uh, that's that's the highest ever by a tremendously large margin the seven-day case average is near half a million now. And uh, so, yeah, we are still very much in the thick of it as far as the coronavirus goes. And that has even hit uh, breweries hard. Um, uh, just before the Christmas holiday or a week or so before the, the holiday at the end of December, Uh, Several Chicago breweries had to close their doors because of people testing positive for coronavirus. Beguile had a couple of team members come down with the virus. Uh, A newer brewery that I'm really not familiar with called Wolf Den. Uh, They announced that they had a staff member with COVID. 
and then uh, they decided to close until further notice. Old Irving shut down for the weekend because people got COVID. Uh, Middle Brow had some of their employees get COVID, and then they uh, created a vax mandate because of it. And a, a very popular beer bar called the Map Room added a vax mandate as well. Another popular beer bar, the Village Tap, uh, had a temporary closure, as well as another beer bar called the Green Lady, a place I've only been to once due to what I deemed was extremely poor, poor service from the bar. I think I've told this story before on a previous podcast, uh, but uh, uh, that kind of, uh, I hear they are like a great beer bar and when I was there they seemed to have a great selection of craft beer but after my initial uh, experience being there I have never re- never had never returned in the time I was in Chicago uh, but that's here neither here nor there uh, on tour brewing also announced a closure as well um, so yeah the Chicago breweries had been hit hard in the past couple of weeks, and I would not be surprised to hear more stories about such things in the very near future, especially since uh, we're hitting more COVID cases now than we have in the past few weeks when these uh, these breakout cases were going through the brewery world, at least in Chicago. And of course, I still talk about Chicago because that's where I spent most of my life and um, most of my beer expertise and experience was in the Chicagoland area. I'm still working on expanding my knowledge in uh, the um, Texas area where I reside now. Uh, One other story that I never touched base on was the um, the selling of Bell's Brewery, which came as a little bit of a shock to me, um, much less of a shock than it would have been maybe five years ago, just because of other breweries kind of following the similar path and selling out and always seems to be the same excuse of, you know, owners getting older and all that kind of thing. Um, especially after like Dogfish Head selling out to Boston Beer Company and things of that nature, it just doesn't hit the same levels of, of surprise as it once did. But still, I was kind of surprised to see to hear that Bell's would be selling out. They sold to the Lion Group, which is the group that had bought New Belgium uh, several years ago. So. Uh, and they will be being run by the same uh, management company that runs New Belgium currently. Uh, I hope I hope they're going to stick to the way Bell's has kind of been operating. Um, I think New Belgium is still making good product. Uh, they still make good beer, when I've experienced. However, I I'm kind of uh, I want to see Bell's stick to their, their their portfolio of how they have their beers now and not kind of slim it down, which is what I feel like uh, New Belgium has done in kind of a way. They've gone heavy on their Voodoo Ranger line of IPAs, and that's kind of been most of their branding going forward is just variations on that one IPA. 
Uh, don't get me wrong, I like my IPAs. Like I said, I think they're making quality product, but I want to see Bell's stick to their lineup as it is now. And their um, Bell's Bell's makes really good beer as well, but I want to see them keep their variety and their different beers all available instead of uh, I don't want to see their portfolio start to be slimmed down uh, like I feel like New Belgium's has kind of had in recent years but it remains to be seen how the sale changes bells in the future I'm sure there will be changes it's just going to be a matter of time as to uh, find out what those changes are and how bells will evolve but, um, yeah, it was kind of still some of a surprise to hear that announcement that Bell's finally sold out. But there you have it. One OG brewery that has not yet sold out and is uh, completely employee-owned is Sierra Nevada. And I recently bought a six-pack of their Big Little Thing IPA which is the Imperial IPA version of their uh, hazy little thing, hazy IPA that they pushed out a few years back when uh, hazies were all the rage and they were jumping on that bandwagon. But it did bring the big little thing IPA into the zeitgeist, which is very much a great thing. And uh, this is what I love about... A uh, big brewery like this doing a double IPA. Um, speaking of New Belgium, they used to have the Rampant Double IPA, which was a highly underrated beer. I don't even know if they make it anymore. I I don't think they do, and even if they do, I have not seen it in forever. I believe I had mentioned in a previous episode on this podcast that I tried to bring it into a Chicago liquor store and Basically, uh, the whole case of uh, uh, six-pack bottles that I brought in sat on the shelf till it went out of code, and I had to pull it all off, which is very, very disappointing because it was uh, a high-quality double IPA for a $9.99 for a six-pack price point, which is very much reasonable. I think I think uh, Big Little Thing is kind of hitting that niche right now. Um, it's basically reasonably priced at nine or ten bucks for the uh, nine ninety nine or ten ninety nine for the six pack of a Imperial IPA that's at nine point nine percent ABV, but it doesn't really drink like it's nine percent. Um, I think I've actually mentioned talking about this beer in the past in a previous episode as well, so this might just be me repeating myself. But if I am, uh, it's because it's this beer is highly drinkable. I think the last time I had it might have been in a um, uh, stovepipe can, perhaps. Uh, so this is me drinking. I bought a six-pack of it because I remember liking it, and uh, it did not disappoint. So uh, highly recommend checking out the Big Little Thing IPA if you've not done so. That's one you can find. Uh, throughout mo throughout much of the United States. So uh, I'm in Texas, but you can find it in the Midwest and Chicagoland area and other areas as well. And uh, the holiday season is over. I don't really miss it much now that it's gone. But one benefit of the holiday season is I did get to revisit the celebration 
IPA from uh, Sierra Nevada, the uh, Celebration Fresh Hop IPA to be exact. And um, I actually revisited a mix of six pack, which I will get into with the rest of those beers shortly. But uh, they had a, uh, I couldn't find a six pack of Celebration in my local grocery store. But in the area where you could make your own six pack, I did find cans there and I got super excited and jumped at that chance. And um, the Celebration IPA totally lives up to what I remember. Uh, I was very much impressed. It tasted just as good as I remembered it. I can't remember the last time I had one, but uh, considering it's more of like a traditional style IPA, but a fresh hop IPA, I was, it was remarkable how much that flavor came, kind of came roaring back and um, uh, just reminded me of how much I do like a traditional IPA or more of a hop forward and bitter IPA. Um, I think they still hold their own very much in the in the world of New England styles and hazies and juicies and whatnot. Uh, the traditional IPA and that bitter forward IPA, it still very much holds its own and um, is always is often a welcome break from that new style of IPA to be certain. So if um if you still if you haven't tried a celebration in a while, or if you've never tried a celebration. Grab it now. Maybe it'll be on sale since it's kind of a winter-esque beer um, or a Christmas-esque style beer, perhaps. Um, but yeah, get that while it's still in season. If you've never had it for certain, but if, uh, if it's been a while since you've visited, um, pick up that Celebration IPA again from Sierra Nevada. And uh, I have a feeling that you're going to be reminded of why Sierra Nevada has been around for so long. And uh uh, yeah, uh, do yourself a favor and give that one a whirl. Now, I believe I've gushed about this place in the past, but I did recently go back to Brew & Brew, a coffee shop slash beer bar that um, I really enjoy, mostly because of uh, the guy who um, is the beer buyer there really knows his stuff and it's kind of bringing in a lot of exciting things. can't remember if I've talked about Baba Brewhouse before. Uh, but this is like a Baba, like uh, you would say like Baba Black Sheep perhaps. And um, man, they're just producing some of the juiciest, craziest IPAs right now in the game. I would kind of put them on the same level of like what would you think of like a, a Bissell Brothers or a Treehouse from the East Coast. I'm not directly comparing those beers side by side, any beer side by side. Uh, I'm not going to do that because I don't really have enough familiarity with the, I've tried a couple of beers from those breweries on the East Coast, but I don't have all the enough knowledge and like it's been a while. So I'm not going to put them, like compare them head to head, but just as far as straight up juiciness and crazy haziness that they got going on. Baba is doing some crazy stuff, so I'll always enjoy getting to try um, those beers there. Um, it's one I think it's one of the favorites of the beer buyer there. So my most recent trip there, I did try a um, uh, 
another IPA from them that I hadn't had, and it was just like their others, just uh, looked like a glass of orange juice, basically. So, uh, Baba's website doesn't have a lot of information about the brewery or their history or anything like that. Uh, they are in a town called Berkshire, Texas, and that's like 40 mile, about 40 miles directly west of um, Houston. And it's about uh, it's 120 or something miles like that east of Austin. So it's kind of sitting right between Austin and Houston. Uh, I have to maybe see if there's a bus that goes out that way or something. And try to maybe I'll go out there and visit their tap room at some point. I would be interested in uh, definitely doing that. On that most recent trip to Brew and Brew, I also had a Nuts Brown from uh, 512 Brewing. I've actually tried to started branching out and getting a couple more 512 beers under my belt. That's one of the uh, breweries in Austin that I hadn't really. Uh, tried too many beers from so I'm slowly working at expanding my uh, knowledge of that brewery and uh, they had a nut brown on tap and I could not resist getting one of those it's not too often you see a nut brown uh, you don't see a brown ale that often anymore but you definitely don't see a nut brown and it's a uh, perfect season for a nut brown it's definitely warmer here in Texas area during the season uh, except for recently it's really been cold but um, I'll never pass up a chance to drink a brown ale or or a nut brown for sure and, and the nut brown didn't didn't disappoint it was uh, definitely what I expected from the style and it was tasty and uh, that was definitely nut brown was definitely my cup of coffee for that uh, that afternoon on my day off so I would just say shout outs to nut browns in general. If you uh, if you haven't had if you've never had a nut brown or if you hadn't had enough br nut brown in a while, man, now is the time to jump on. If you see one, give that a give that a try and uh, uh, I think you'll be reminded of uh, it's always nice to try a new style or something you haven't had in a while. In the world of IPAs, and especially IPAs and things like that, it's always good to have a standard pale ale every now and then as well. A pale ale is always a great style and a uh, little less bitter, little more, a uh, little less tiresome on the palate than an IPA. And I did pick up an IPA from a Real Ale Brewing Company. They're out of Blanco, Texas. Uh, their beers, I see, the, I see them around a lot in uh, different stores and places in Austin, but their beer is only available in Texas, according to their website. But I picked up their Swifty uh, APA, and um, I had had a, uh, it was the, uh, I think it was called a Juicy Squirt Gun or something, or maybe just Squirt Gun. Uh, but they 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 had a juicy uh, I think it was either a juicy pale ale or a juicy IPA um, called Squirt Gun. I've had that in the past. I had their Axis, which I uh, wasn't super impressed with the Axis, and it was maybe is because I had something else or something that was kind of wrecking on my palate a little bit. Uh, but I know I've had at least. Oh, I've also had the Devil's Backbone, which is their uh, their Belgian kind of a big punt, big heavy hitter. I think it's a triple at eight percent 
So I have had a quite a few of their beers, and I just kind of forget about it because uh, uh, some of the other Austin breweries kind of stick to a similar can design in some respects, um, which Real Ale kind of mixes it up all over the place with their can design. That is not a judgment on one one choice of can design or art over another. It's just uh, when you're looking at familiarity and stuff, I sometimes forget all the stuff I've had from Real Ale because they're always doing different can designs. I wasn't super... It was something about the can design with the Swifty that I really didn't like when I first saw it. It was kind of more of a throwback style, kind of plain. But kind of the more that I look at it, it's kind of growing on me a little bit. Maybe that's just because I, th I found it to be a pretty solid APA. And it's more of a, tra it's even, even with pale ales now, they're kind of going for a juicy, a lot of places doing juicy pale ales or hazy pale ales. And they're kind of going more with this less bitter style. But the Swifty is more of a traditional American pale ale, like, well, it's, it's of course less bitter than the, uh, an IPA, but it still has enough bitterness to satisfy that. And um, I found it to be pretty darn good. Didn't find any hop information on their uh, on their website, but it's a little bit more sweeter, maybe a little bit more citrusy. I didn't taste anything like a Cascade in there, so I don't think there's any Cascade. Um, but uh, yeah, the can design, uh, starting to grow me maybe because I like the beer once I, um, got to try and start drinking through this six pack. And, uh, says there's always time for a Swifty on the can. And, uh, after giving it a try, I would have to concur. Now, believe it or not, I recently tried a beer from Rogue and it has been forever since I've seen a beer or even had a beer from Rogue. Uh, it's good to see that they are still producing beer because um, some of the stuff I had from them in the past I always liked. Um, I think the Dead Man Ale was pretty good. And they also had an Amber Ale that was pretty solid as well. So it was interesting. I, the Rogue became a part of my uh, mix of six, six pack. And this was a beer called Colossal Claude. I no, I don't even know what Rogue's kind of uh, beer portfolio looks like these days. I know it's probably much different since it's been a long time since I had seen them around. Uh, but Colossal Claude was an Imperial IPA at 8.2%. And um, uh, 75 IBUs. So that's pretty pretty bitter but not super super bitter uh, an imperial ipa with a colossal dose of cascade chinook citra and strata hops in hope of coaxing claude out to join us for a pint so if you may have noticed there the first hop listed is cascade which is not my favorite choice of hop um i've um uh, talked in great length about how I feel about Cascade in previous episodes, so I won't go into it here. But the Chinook, Citra, and the Strata, they all kind of uh, make for a nice mix in here as well. I thought this was pretty solid. It was uh, at 8.2%. It's not too high up on the uh, alcohol percentage, so it didn't really feel like it was too exhausting to drink. I found it to be pretty solid. Um, nothing 
nothing too uh, memorable or um, super exciting about it, but I thought it was still pretty solid. That was part of my mix of six. I had two cans of the Celebration from Sierra Nevada in there. And um, I also got a beer from Nebraska Brewing Company. Now, I wish I could find their IPA because when I initially had the Nebraska Brewing Company's IPA, it was at uh, the um, Great Lakes Brewfest, which was up in Racine, Wisconsin. And uh, that, for whatever reason, that IPA just cut through all the other beers I had drank that day. And I thought it was the best IPA I had up there when I was there. Now, I'll go back a uh, disclaimer to say that this was several, several years ago. And like I said, I had mucho beers before that. And for whatever reason, it just hit me different. But I never really have been able to find like Nebraska Brewing Company's regular IPA again. I don't even know if they still distribute in the Midwest. They had at one point in time. Uh, but it was only a couple of beers, I think, that they were had available. It wasn't always a lot of them. wasn't always a huge seller, but I did see it around every now and then. And now I was super shocked to see a Nebraska Brewing Company beer down here in Texas. I didn't even know they were in the area. Uh, but they had cans in the Mix of Six area. And uh, this was a beer called Give Me S'more, uh, a vanilla brown ale. And... I thought it was pretty good, 5.2% uh, alcohol, so uh, kind of a sweeter brown ale, but um, not not sweeter like you would find in more of like a dessert beer with a higher ABV, so uh, slightly easy drinking a little bit more, and um, a little bit, I'm not a big vanilla beer guy. But I, th I thought this was pretty solid. It wasn't too super sweet, but I know I couldn't drink a lot of them. And vanilla is not my jam when it comes to beer or really flavor in general when it comes to like beverages. I'm not a big vanilla coffee drinker or anything like that. But I thought it was pretty solid. Like I said, it's always good to see a brown ale. And I was shocked to see Nebraska Brewing Company in the mix. I'll have to keep an eye out for them and see what else I can find in that realm. And another, uh, another one that I had, I, I was really glad to find uh, this particular beer from Martin House Brewing Company. They, uh, they're out of Fort Worth, Texas. I had done a big stout from them that I found a deal on from a place that usually sells individual cans for two bucks. And uh, I think, I don't know if they had broken a six-pack or what, but I had gotten a big Imperial Stout from them in the past for like two bucks. So I think I got it, kind of got a deal to taste that one. But this one, I can't remember what, to, they had a great artwork on it. I think I talked about it in a previous episode, but I cannot remember what the beer was. I just remember, I think it was a big stout of some sort. And it had a bunch of animals driving in a car on the can label. Um, that really is, uh, tells nobody anything and it's kind of useless information, but there you have it. Uh, but this particular beer was based on a pineapple upside down cake is what I would guess because this was a lactose sour with pineapples, cherries, and cake flavoring, and it's called upside down. So um, this was 6.58% ABV. 
Uh, I thought this was pretty good. I didn't... Uh, um, I think the sweetness of the cake came through a little bit as it kind of warmed up. Um, I don't think it was overly sour, so... Um, but I think that lactose had something to do with it. But uh, all in all, I was kind of impressed. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, maybe the pineal, pineapples and cherries kind of clashed head-to-head um, -head with each other. Maybe that was kind of one of the issues I would say I had a little bit. Um, and with all those different flavors in it, it's always kind of hard to get them all to kind of come out together. Uh, but I thought this beer did a pretty good job of that. And uh, for a, like a lactose sour like this, um, I had seen it in the six pack prior at the store and I was kind of curious wanting to give it a try, especially when I knew it was kind of based in a pineapple upside down cake. And um, so I, I jumped at the chance to get this can and uh, it was relatively fresh canned on November 19th. I drank it last month. So... Um, yeah, it was definitely worth the $1.99 price tag for the can. And, um, I've been impressed with what I've seen with Martin House, too. So I've seen them in a couple different stores and tried a couple of their beers now. So, uh, I'll always be on the lookout for anything interesting that they're coming out with. And, um, they, like I said, they are out of Fort Worth, Texas. That's Martin House Brewing Company. Uh, so if you're in the Texas area and you happen to see the upside down lactose sour, I would say give it a whirl. Relatively interesting. And then the final beer of the six pack was the, uh, I think it was my, was my, maybe my first try of a Bear King. Maybe I've had one in the past and, um, I feel like I've had one Beer King beer before. Or maybe it was I've seen them around, but usually the cans weren't fresh or something like that. So I was always iffy on picking it up. Um, this one was a uh, hazy, I, their hazy IPA called Foggy Eyes. And this one had a February 08 date on it, so I do believe that it's an expiration date. So I don't know if they're doing six... I'm guessing they're doing six-month dating. Um, so that would put it out at... Um, in... Um, August... Wait. Yeah, August date for uh, potential canning if it's six months. So... Um, I was looking at maybe like four months, so it might have been a little bit starting to be past its prime, perhaps. It wasn't out in the fridge, so um, it was still a couple months out from its expiration, so I decided to give it a whirl. And frankly, I really don't remember anything about the beer, so I don't know if that has something to do with... Um, Perhaps it was a little bit. I don't remember it being tasting old or paperish. Maybe the, um, maybe it was just kind of uh, something. It was just okay. That's what I will go with because, like I said, I don't remember really anything about it. And uh, it might have been after I had drank a couple different beers. So perhaps it was um, lost in the shuffle or, uh, you know, after so many hazies, they kind of start to blend together a little bit. But uh, Bear King has been around since 2016. 
Um, they are out of a town called Marble Falls, Texas. And um, I think they've been a relatively popular name. So um, I'll be t uh, excited to try stuff from them in the future. Hopefully I'll see them more in like tap lists around town is kind of where I would like to see them get a try of some of their different beers. But I don't see them on draft lists too often around Austin. But we do have plenty of lo more local breweries uh, in Austin proper. So uh, they tend to dominate tap lists a lot around. But that brings me to the end of my six-pack that I, that, like I said, I recently got. Um, the It was interesting because the, even grocery stores in the Chicagoland area had started doing the mix of six thing. Um, my local grocery stores did that as well. Like I said, that's where I got it was at the grocery store. Uh, but they don't have just a general uh, barcode on the mix of six cardboard six-pack holder. Uh, basically, you got to scan each can individually, uh, which wasn't too bad. It was still like $1.99 per can, so it's still about like a $12 price point for the six-pack. Not terrible. Um, and there was enough mixture of stuff. I think it was worth the price, just a couple dollars more. And usually it's like a $9.99 or something like that, but uh, perfectly reasonable. It was interesting, though, because the barcodes they put on these cans are all like a standard barcode, but they don't scan very well at the register at all, so... Even at the self-checkout, the uh, woman had to basically come in and type in all the UPCs on all the, the cans for each one, uh, which seemed kind of uh, crazy. So they, I, I wish they would go and standardize and just put a barcode on the six-pack holder. It would make things easier for everybody. Even if they want to keep a $12 price, whatever, just put the barcode right on the six-pack holder. I don't know why they don't do that, but uh, that's not for me to worry about. But it was good going with a mix of six again. I hadn't done that in quite some time, so it was nice to revisit the concept and try some different beers using that method. And like I said, I think I tried some unique stuff that I would have not tried elsewhere or wouldn't have found on tap. So uh, that was well worth it. And so it's uh, always a reminder to go back to the mix of six every now and then. Because uh, if, you if you do your research, you do a little bit of homework, check your can dates to make sure it's relatively fresh. You can find some really fresh stuff that uh, it's not always stuff that doesn't just sell. Uh, sometimes if, if uh, even if a ring holder breaks or something like that, or maybe one can busted on a six pack, they can't sell a five pack. So they're going to put those cans into the mix of six area so they can get rid of them and sell them off individually. Um, and that's where we all win. So, uh, yeah, keep your eye out. And uh, like I said, look, look at your candidates and you always find some fresh stuff in the mix of six area. And that can be a good place to source some beer from time to time. And that is going to do it for this episode of let's sip podcast. I thank everybody for listening and, uh, until then drink them if you got them. That will do it for this episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. Podcast theme music composed by Brandon E. Gaylor. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time. Bye-bye.